Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of March 31st, 2020, and this is officially episode number 431, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at paranormalking.com, and I promised myself I got a little post-it note here before I get rolling along tonight, I do want to mention, in case I forget later, that tonight is the debut of the show, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, on the History Channel. Um, supposed to be 10 p.m. locally, but as they as they always say, check your local listings. Yeah, don't don't email me and get mad at me for it's not on tonight. But that's the email that I received a couple days ago. I checked it. Uh, said The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch debuts tonight. So if you're into that, check it out tonight. Wanted to make sure I got that in. Tonight, I guess people are bored. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in the paranormal this week. I don't know why. I, mean, I think people have more important or different things to do out there. But uh, we've got a lot, of, a lot of stuff floating around. A lot of UFO stuff. We have some Bigfoot stuff. Bigfoot is—he's not, you know—he's not messing around. He's—I think he's enjoying uh, less people around, driving on the streets. Uh, but it seems like there's—I don't know, you guys out there, but here I'm—I'm I'm in Ohio, so we've been on lockdown officially for two weeks now, and a little longer than the government official lockdown. But uh, people are getting stir crazy here. Uh, people that are forced to work at home or forced out of a job, unfortunately. A lot of companies have closed down. Businesses have shut their doors. And um, I'm fortunately or maybe unfortunately, I don't know which at this point. Uh, so far, it's fortunate. But uh, I have a very scary feeling the next 30 days or so, it uh, might turn into an unfortunate thing. Uh, I'm in retail, so I'm an essential person so i'm i have to go to work every day and i do my normal routine pretty much normal routine although my actual physical job has changed due to covid19 so i don't get to do what i'm supposed to be doing but i'm helping provide relief for people out there so um but the people that are sitting around at home are getting bored so a lot of these people are going out to parks and now that the weather's breaking here in Ohio, we've had uh, a couple of days in the 60s, which is really warm here for us, uh, Fahrenheit. And people are getting out in the parks, even though they shouldn't be. They're mixing and mingling. So, I don't know, maybe uh, the more people out there in the woods and more people are seeing uh, Bigfoot, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, some Bigfoot stuff. We also have some uh, Starlink news. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Starlink. Uh, but we do have one less constellation overhead coming soon. We'll talk about the footballer who spotted a UFO. And, and, you know, I always talk about how I avoid conspiracy theories, theories on this show. But tonight, I'm going to tackle the biggest conspiracy theory of 2020. And you'll have to wait to find out what that is later on in the show. But first, 
we're going to, oh yeah, before I get too far ahead, yes, Project Blue Book last week wrapped up, and I'm not sure, I, I think I forgot to mention that uh, before the show, but last week was it. It's kind of weird, it's only 10 episodes, so it's kind of like a Netflix type series, but um, it wrapped up for the most part. Uh, it's still leaving things kind of wide open. There's a lot of questions unanswered. So if you've not seen that, highly recommend checking out Project Blue Book season finale, which was last week. Pretty interesting episode. They've really gone way away from reality of anything of uh, J. Allen Hynek, but uh, it's still an entertaining show. I don't, I don't watch it for even though it's on the History Channel, which is really odd to say. I don't watch it for the history. I don't watch it for the cases. I just watch it. It's, it's a popcorn show. It's, it's not real. It's based on, you don't see my finger air quotes here, based on real stories and real things. But it's, it's really loosely based, and they've added a lot of fiction to it, a lot of fictional characters. They've, they've put a lot of these things into the blender, uh, producers getting a hold of, of information and just throwing everything at the dartboard all at the same time to make an interesting television show. It's, it's just to sell cars. But I think it's they've done a good job with it. Uh, I was pleasantly, um, I don't want to say pre- pleasantly surprised, but I was I was happy with the ending uh, thus far. It's they've obviously left it wide open, and I would. It's kind of hard to say with what's going on now, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear shortly that uh, that they've gone ahead with another season. Uh, I definitely think it's probably one of their more popular shows. On right now, and as, as far as UFO stuff is concerned, it's pretty hard to. I mean, it's they don't. There's really nothing going on in the UFOs as far as TV is concerned. We've had a lot of shows over the years, UFO Hunters, and um, the big one with, uh, gosh, I forget what it's called, with Mufon a couple of years ago. That was a pretty big show, and this is pretty much it for UFOs. And UFOs are a big topic right now, so. Talk about the history of that. I think it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm surprised no one else has come out with a UFO show. But we shall see. I mean, I think, yeah, like I said, it's it's hard to tell with, with what's going on right now with uh, COVID-19 about what's going to be moving forward with TV shows and movies and things. Everything's on hold right now. And uh, we've not really affected anything until we get to uh, May in June when some of these shows are supposed to be wrapping up. And uh-oh, there's no season finales like Supernatural. Last two episodes of that show have not been filmed. And they have six more that they're working on uh, to get ready. But uh, I don't think they're working on them. I think it's just sitting there. So we're looking at the fall. And then they'll probably have two more episodes next year. So I think you're going to see a lot of TV shows like that. So... I don't know what they're going to do with that, but uh, Project Blue Book, I would think in the next two years, would be coming back for another season. Pretty good show, I think. If you can stomach all the inconsistencies and the things that are completely out of whack with it. But yeah, thanks for the reminder. It was a pretty good show. And if you've not seen it, you can go on the History Channel. They have an app, or you can also go on online if you have a computer. And you can, uh, as long as you have cable... Actually, I think you can watch it for free now. I don't think you have to have a, a cable. But I usually watch it, like, uh, if I don't catch it on Tuesday, I would catch it the uh, uh, the following couple of days. 
online. I got a lot of shows I'm trying to catch up on. Anyway, we've got a lot of news, but I do want to start talking about conferences and conventions. I, you know, I've talked a lot about the last couple of weeks, and I'll, I'll be honest, I've almost just given up with it. There's just so much changes and so many things going on. Um, but I feel like since I've kind of tackled these a few months ago, putting a list together that I, I kind of owe it to uh, to anybody who has been following all that stuff to um, to continue to put it together and, and continue to keep things up to date so you guys know what's going on, even though pretty much I, I would hope that you're not going to any large gathering, no matter where you're at in the United States, which is where I do all of these, uh, well, I should say North America for the most part. I don't really, not really done anything for Mexico. They have paranormal conventions in Mexico. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But uh, primarily United States uh, and sometimes in Canada, I cover these events. But uh, it seems like I want to walk away from it. And I just want to say, you know what? I'm just going to take the events page down at this point because who knows what's happening. But, uh, it, it's just, I feel like I, I, since I've created the page, I owe it to kind of keep it kind of up to date as much as I, it's really difficult to keep it up to date. But for the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about it. So I checked a few out this week, or I should say during the week last week, and uh, there's a lot more changes. So we are on the cusp of flipping the calendar to April. And, yeah, we're seeing a lot more conferences and conventions that are being canceled or postponed with no date announced as of yet. So there's a lot just hanging out there, uh, kind of waiting to see what the, the direction is in the next two weeks or, or three weeks or a month or so or whatever. It's probably till the end of April. But I'm telling you, all this stuff is just changing day to day. You never know what to expect. I mean, if they said tomorrow martial law in New York City, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, the way things are going now, it, it wouldn't uh, come as a surprise if they forced everyone to stay home and kept everyone off the streets and blocked everything. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so looking at some of these conferences and conventions, uh, I have Bigfoot Days, which was to take place April 17th and 18th in Estes Park, Colorado. That's canceled. Also, the suicide awareness event at Ashmore Estates in Ashmore, Illinois, that was supposed to take place April 17th through the 19th. That one has also been officially canceled. Uh, Phenomenology 2020, probably the most advertised event on Facebook, has announced that their late March event was postponed, not canceled. Uh, there is no makeup date that I've seen. I just checked yesterday. I've not seen today. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's another one pretty much It's just on hold for who knows how long uh, I would imagine if nothing is, is released by the end of this month, or I should say next month, because it is the end of the month right now, uh, that it's probably going to be scrapped. It seems like a lot of these events are looking at next year already. Uh, the Oregon ghost conference scheduled for March 27th through the 29th. Well, that was canceled due to the uh, government mandates of groups gathering. Uh, the same for the New England Parafest 2020 that uh, is to take place April 4th through the 5th in Kittery, Maine. Uh, let's see. Let me cross that one out there. We also have the Southwest Florida Paranormal and UFO Convention in Fort Myers, Florida. 
that was making me nervous. That they waited till like literally the last minute uh, to cancel that thing. It was supposed to take place last weekend, but it was rescheduled to August first. Uh, they were talking about handing out baggies with uh, hand sanitizer and stuff. Just, just cancel it. Just change it. Just do something. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of these events, and and. You know, I did an event, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I put on my own paranormal conference a couple of years ago, and I'll tell you, it's a scary thing to do because you never know what's going to happen. I live in Northeast Ohio, and uh, this was in February that I was doing the event because I got a pretty deep discount on a place, uh, but uh, uh, a lot of things went wrong with that, no matter how much I planned and no matter how much I did correctly, but you know, I was thinking if the weather cancels things, you know, and I... I I couldn't afford to put this whole thing on by myself. So I, I kind of used the ticket sales to kind of pay for things as things went along. So, yeah, I couldn't afford to to pay people back. You know, I don't wasn't really doing – I was trying to charge the least amount as I could to put this thing on. And I tell you, it's, it's really tough if you don't have money up front to do something like that. So um, it's it's hard. But at the same time – you got to protect yourself. So if you're not sure, reach out and ask or read websites, read the fine print. If they're not offering any sort of refund policy, then uh, you might not want to go this year. Just just putting that out there. Uh, the Haunted Savannah Conference set to take place April 17th and 18th. That's been postponed and don't have a makeup date, although they're looking at toward the fall, which will probably be here before you know it. The Gift of Light Expo in Cleveland, Ohio for April 18th and 19th has been canceled and is scheduled for next year, April 17th and 18th, 2021. But we'll see uh, if the Cleveland event doesn't pop up again uh, this year. Um, maybe it, it'll come up later this year, September or something. I don't know. The uh, Columbus event, which was initially canceled from March 14th and 15th, has now been tentatively rescheduled for June 13th and 14th. And that's why I say keep an eye out for that Cleveland event if you're interested in that. Uh, the Littleton Paracon, scheduled for April 25th in Littleton, North Carolina, has been postponed until October 17th. The Midwest Parafest for April 25th in Toledo, Ohio, has been rescheduled for August 1st. And we're also seeing ghost events uh, even in May being rescheduled uh, so the virginia city paracon which was to take place may 1st through the 3rd in virginia city nevada that's been rescheduled to august 14th to the uh 16th the midwest parafest uh, three taking place april 25th uh, wait did i just say that yeah midwest yeah i got that twice so um uh, yeah, that's done. That's done. Got that changed. Uh, let's see. The Bayou City Paranormal Symposium, April 25th to the 26th in Pasadena, Texas. Canceled. Canceled. Uh, the Strasburg Historical Paravation, set for April 25th and 26th in Strasburg, Virginia. Canceled. The Parasycon, set to take place May 2nd and 3rd in Mansfield, Ohio. Rescheduled, pretty much canceled. Uh, they're rescheduling it for next year, so it's not even going to take place this year. 
Um, May 22nd and 23rd of 2021, the New Jersey Para-Unity Expo postponed until September 19th of this year. The Edinburgh UFO Festival rescheduled their event. Uh, so instead of taking place in early April, it's August 13th through the 15th. Uh, Ozark Mountain UFO Conference rescheduled to uh, July 24th through the 26th in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Um, geez, the MUFON Cruise. This is another hard one to figure out what was going on with this one. Uh, set to take place April 19th through the 26th aboard Royal Carib Caribbean. Caribbean? Uh, it doesn't matter which way you say it. Royal Caribbean, which sails in the Caribbean, which is weird. Uh, Harmony of the Seas. Well, that event was sold out. The ship you could still get um, tickets for, or I should say you can get get on board up to a few days ago. But now it's officially canceled due to Royal Caribbean's voluntary suspension of cruises until May 11th. That's what they're calling it. It's kind of aggravating. Cruise industry. I, I love cruises. I love cruising. I've been to, I don't know how many cruises all over the place. Alaska a couple of times, all through the Caribbean, Caribbean, whatever you want to call it, uh, Mexico, all over the place. But uh, I tell you, it's just sickening to watch what they've done um, this year with this whole COVID-19 thing. But they voluntarily suspended cruises for Royal Caribbean, but uh, that's due in part to the fact that uh, ports around the world are not allowing cruise ships to dock. Voluntary, my butt. Uh, you have nowhere, nowhere to park your boats or ships, I guess. Uh, as I mentioned weeks ago, Royal Caribbean has instituted a 48-hour cancellation clause at the end of June, which they've now extended to the end of July. So July 31st, if you decide to cancel a cruise through that time frame, you can do so within 48 hours of setting sail and be offered a full credit as good until the end of 20. 21, but uh, they're not sailing through May 11th. Everything's canceled through them. I'm not sure about Norwegian or um, Carnival or Princess or anybody else at this point, but uh, if I was you, I wouldn't go on a cruise. I mean, it's hard for me to say that. I know uh, this time last year, I had just gotten back probably a week prior from a cruise in uh, the Lower Antilles, or the lesser, I'm sorry, the lesser Antilles, uh, Barbados, St. Kitts, St. Martin, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to do it this year, I definitely would have canceled a long time ago. I would have not even played around with that. Uh, anyway, uh, the MUFON Philadelphia Area Conference has been postponed from April 24th through the 25th to October 23rd and 24th. The Nebraska Bigfoot Conference uh, postponed, supposed to take place April 17th and 18th. No more. Uh, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, supposed to be on May 2nd. Well, that's been rescheduled with a makeup date of August 15th. And I missed one announcement back on March 19th. I think I already mentioned this. Did I mention this? I don't remember if I mentioned this. I'll mention it anyway. The Oregon Bigfoot Festival has been canceled. No, I didn't mention that. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. 
And you may wonder why. Well, why, Brian? Why is that a big deal that the Oregon Bigfoot Festival has been canceled? Well, it's big since this event was not set to take place until July 25th. That's a long ways away. And that's kind of scary to think about. We're having events all the way at the end of July being canceled. Well, the, uh, the big deal about that is uh, the event last year uh, drew over 7,000 people to the Troutdale area in Oregon. So this year they plan to move it to a larger venue of the county fairground. So probably estimating well over 10,000 10, or more people to attend. So, yeah, you don't want to play around with that because I, I guarantee you, and I will say guarantee, uh, states out west, uh, granted, they, uh, I think what, what, Washington was the first pretty much. Uh, Oregon wasn't too far behind. But I would say that you know we're talking probably mid-June till this stuff is starting to fade away a little bit. You don't want to you don't want to mess with bringing that many people together, you know, a few weeks after this stuff starts to go away. So pretty smart on their part uh, to back out at this point, uh, especially with the the size. I mean, some of these events you might have ten people, and that would include the speakers. So some of them are really really small. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, some of these are pretty darn big. What do you mean, what is that? Park them in the USA? You talk about the cruise ships? None of them are from the United States. That's the problem. None of the big ones. They're all, they're all out of the Caribbean or Norway or wherever they can cut out on taxes. But they, they take us all over the place. Anyway, um, pretty much anything else that's uh, out there. Especially April, I think pretty. I think that covers April. I think April is pretty much everything is canceled or rescheduled. Um, but uh, May and June, I'm telling you, it's not long. Probably next week, I'll be talking about all the ones in uh, in May that are canceled or rescheduled. Uh, nobody knows when things will go back to normal. Uh, everybody wants life to go back to the way it was back in February. Um, I get it, but you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't want to die, like at least not right now. We all have our time, but I don't want to go out this way. Um, you know, using common sense. It's like blindfolding yourself and crossing the road. Why would you do something so silly? Look both ways, and that's what—that's all I'm trying to say here. Let's let's look both ways with this thing. Yeah, you can you can have your summer if you just stay inside for a couple more weeks. But uh, we all gotta we all gotta do this together. Um, we all got to do this together. So yeah, I mean, maybe at the the end of the end of April things will look better, but we still have to hold out until we can get this stuff under control. So again, like I said, if you're planning on going to any paranormal conferences or conventions, be sure to know the cancellation policy. Communicate with those holding these events to make sure you don't lose your money, and definitely would not go on anything in April, May, or probably even June for this most part. Uh, so. I'm trying to keep my events page at paranewsinsider.com up to date. Uh, I'm trying to do the best I can. But if you have any information about any conference or convention that's changed or maybe even one that I've missed that's going on or it's, it's been rescheduled or whatever, I don't have the right information, man, let me know. It's a lot of work. I thought it was a lot of work putting these up in the first place over the winter. But I tell you, it's, it's a lot more trying to keep track with what's going on uh, as well. And uh, let's move into cryptid news quickly here. And uh, we got a lot of Bigfoot stuff. 
Bigfoot is out there. So I just mentioned the Littleton Paracon being rescheduled to October 17th from April 25th. Uh, the little tiny town of North Carolina. I guess that's why they call it Littleton. Littleton? I don't know. Uh, 674 people, according to the last census, uh, live there. And just recently, they had their fourth official Bigfoot report since November of 2019. That's a lot for a little town like that. Uh, on March 20th, a man named Jesse Walker was taking his trash out when he saw what he described as a Bigfoot. And it was, quote, really tall, unquote, and had, quote, big hands, unquote. That's what the girls say about me, too. Uh, Walker also described the creature as, quote, his fur was real black and it was shaggy long, unquote. Uh, so Littleton is also home to a cryptozoology and paranormal museum in the southern part of the town. Uh, Stephen Barcello, the owner of the museum, makes frequent videos of walking through trails, finding purported clues to the creature's existence. They're, they're pretty entertaining. Uh, of course, having a place like this is going to make people turning in reports much easier than normal. Uh, where places they don't have somewhere to talk to or an official office type thing to call or stop by and and tell somebody about it. It makes it a little harder. Uh, but to me, it makes you wonder, is the museum there due to the many Bigfoot sightings? Or are there Bigfoot sightings due to the museum's location? Makes you wonder. Uh, it just so happens that the sighting in November where a witness saw a five-and-a-half-foot-tall Bigfoot which is a little short for Bigfoot, uh, happened directly behind the Cryptozoology and Paranormal Museum. Spooky. Uh, that is Littleton in North Carolina. That's um, just south of the Virginia border. So I'd say it's a little uh, east of central North Carolina, but on the northern edge. That's not a whole lot of stuff happening there, but... Uh, Throw a link there in the chat room, and I screwed that up. Let me try it again. So if you are in the chat room, we have an extra dimension. I'm not talking about uh, extra dimensions like the uh, – uh, let me get that in there. Boom. There we go. Um, what was I saying? Oh, extra <laughs> – yeah, extra dimensions – like the Twilight Zone, uh, extra dimensions such as um, sharing of links. And yeah, you might see some of these stories on some of the popular uh, paranormal news sites, such as the Anomalous or Unexplained Mysteries and so on and so forth. But uh, when I start researching these from those links, sometimes I stumble upon other links that happened originally and have a little bit more information or better photographs or videos or things. So those are ten, the, the ones that I tend to share during the live broadcast. And sometimes I also have some photographs that I also share. Um, so let's see. Well, moving on to another Bigfoot story. We've got Tulsa. Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't think we've ever had a Tulsa story in the history of the show. I want to say in almost 12 years. Uh, a series of photographs showing a purported Bigfoot that's been making the rounds on Facebook. I mean, where else? Social media. 
again, out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, the area in question is where multiple sightings have been piling up. It's called the Turkey Mountain Urban Wild, sorry, Wilderness Area. So I was trying to make that into an acronym, but I don't think that's going to work out so well. Turkey Mountain Urban Wilderness Area. So Monday, March 30th, the Turkey Mountain Urban Wilderness Area posted a handful of pictures along with the following statement. Quote, over the weekend, we received dozens of calls and messages reporting a, quote, sighting, unquote, at Turkey. While we investigate the matter, this seems like a good time for us to remind you that social distancing of six foot is required when at Turkey Mountain, unquote. Uh, so I do have a picture. Let me throw a picture of that in the chat room. Um, somewhere. Uh, I actually got a couple of them here. So here's one picture of this Turkey Lake Bigfoot, or Turkey Mountain Bigfoot. We have a Turkey Lake here in Ohio. That's why I was thinking that. Uh, so yeah, this uh, Bigfoot, bunch of different people posted pictures and the Turkey Mountain officials have been uh, posting some of these pictures. Look at that. That is just spooky scary. That just looks real. That's real scary. Uh, another, I'll throw another one in there. I mean, just can you imagine walking down and seeing that? Walking down a trail and boom. This brown creature walking. So this post comes about a week after the state government mandated social distancing in Oklahoma. And uh, people could not be in groups larger than 10, which we've been under that for a couple of weeks now. Uh, the post uh, on Facebook has over 1,500 comments, and it's been shared over 2,200 times. So more people seem to think this is a joke than being realistic. You can tell by the laughy faces versus the wow faces and the thumbs up. That's, that's my scientific way of telling how many people think it's a joke by how many laughy faces. Uh, many parks and recreation areas also use Bigfoot as a tool to get people uh, to get a, get some attention for their their parks, uh, to get people to come out there, I, I'd say a lot of places use Bigfoot as a as a, some form of publicity for to get people to come out. I, I know there's like four or five just in this part of Ohio that do things such as putting up cutouts in the woods to bring people out. Or they they create names or things of of events, and it's good for the kids. Uh, so the Bigfoot also made an appearance at a post made today, just today, just a few hours ago, uh, with a blurry shot, of course, a blurry shot of a light brown Bigfoot walking in front of a tree line. And this dude looked like he was pretty much 10 feet away from uh, the camera. And the photo was accompanied by the following. It says, quote, some of our park's maintenance staff were out putting signs up over at Bales Park in West Tulsa this morning. And it would seem whatever is being, quote, cited, unquote, at Turkey Mountain Urban Wilderness Area may like to visit nearby Tulsa Parks, too. We hope whatever it is knows the baseball diamonds there and other park amenities are closed. Hashtag socially distant Sasquatch and hashtag enjoy parks. Stay safe. Unquote. So the Turkey Mountain Urban Wilderness Area, just to let you know, is uh, south of the Tulsa metro area. 
and you go up there on the mountain and, and look and see downtown Tulsa from up there. Uh, it's surrounded by cities, even though it's on 300 acres of undeveloped land. Uh, Tulsa's pretty, um, it's pretty boring as far as the land goes. There's really not a whole lot of mountains and hills and even trees for that matter, but it's, it's a nice area. I've been, I haven't been to Oklahoma in a few years, but uh, it's, it's pretty, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, so I was born in Indiana, I should say. So I can say uh, that's a pretty boring state too. It's a pretty flat state. But uh, yeah, some people look at these Bigfoot shots and they say, well, you know, that, that looks like the real deal there. Um, yeah, but the amount of people that are in this little park, 300 acres is decent size. But a lot of people are out here. Again, this isn't a metro area. Uh, it doesn't look like it when you look at the pictures. But there's a lot of people in these areas. And I'd be willing to bet that they're using this as a marketing ploy. And they would have done this regardless of COVID-19. Uh, again, this is the time of the year that a lot of April and May are, are times of the year when a lot of these places are doing this. It's not out of the ordinary to see this. Uh, what is out of the ordinary is the different people that are posting these pictures. So that makes me kind of wonder. Uh, but I'm going to take a wild guess. This is just a wild guess, and we'll have to watch tomorrow, and maybe I'll talk about it next week. But I think that we're going to see a little bit more of this Tulsa Bigfoot tomorrow. As tomorrow, in case you got to cheat and look at your calendar, it's the second most important day for the paranormal next to Halloween, not Christmas. I know a lot of ghost stories are told on Christmas, but uh, nope, tomorrow is April 1st, and that means April Fool's Day is upon us. So be careful and critical of everything you read, especially dealing with Bigfoot and the paranormal on the next 24 hours or so. People are really bored right now, so th it's there's going to be a lot of stuff, uh, probably a lot less of the uh, usually dominated by companies and manufacturers talking about different prototypes or different launches of events that uh, that aren't true. So I don't think we'll see as much of that this year, but I think the, that the general public is going to get in on this a lot. And these parks and recreation that want to get people out into the open are going to get into this as well. So, I mean, we should be critical all the time of things, but... Uh, no, I've not looked at this up close. I've not looked at it through uh, any kind of software, not blown it up or looked at it. But I can tell you the coloring, the posturing, the distance, how people are seeing these things, these pictures, uh, these these all look staged to me. This doesn't look real. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a, a real story. seems that a lot of people are also thinking the same thing. But uh, I think this is all going to unfold in the next couple of days anyway. I mean, I'd love to be wrong. But I would say that this is uh, just a hoax. Kind of like the Washington State Department of Transportation earlier this year with a little wood cutout up there. Anyway, that's your cryptid news. We're going to jump with both feet into UFO news and uh, some sad stuff. Uh, but not really sad. It's kind of scary stuff, I guess we could talk about. Uh, some strange lights in the sky over Manitoba last week up there in Canada uh, stirred up a lot of attention. 
people flock to social media to talk about their experiences is seeing lights moving in the sky. Uh, people were kind of freaked out about this. They weren't sure what was going on. Uh, we've been talking about a lot about this here on the show for uh, the last few months, at least a year now, I think. And whatever it goes, people generally seem confused as to what they're looking at. And of course, I mentioned it earlier in the show, I'm talking about the Starlink satellites launched by Elon Musk in an effort to bring the uh, the internet to the masses. So these satellites uh, launched in what they call a constellation and uh, it's going to help bring us internet, broadband internet, uh, especially to those who cannot currently get it, can't afford it, or don't have it in their area. It sounds noble, but it's uh, causing other problems. Um, but yeah, not only Elon Musk, but there's a lot of other companies that are set to launch thousands of their own satellites. And so far, there's only th about 300 of the Starlink satellites in orbit, but they've already been noted to be creating issues for astronomers that are now con confusing stargazers. And you can only imagine it's only going to get worse from here. Uh, so the issue is that despite being suitcased size, so imagine a suitcase flying to the sky. It's not very big. You'd, you'd probably not be able to see it too far up in the sky, but... Um, they appear bigger and brighter than most natural stars in the sky due to reflecting uh, sunlight as they traverse the skies. Uh, Scott Young, manager of the planetarium at the Manitoba Museum, said of the Starlink satellites, quote, they're unusual sightings now, but pretty soon it'll be the new normal. All you'll see are these satellites. Imagine trying to find constellations at night. Imagine... If only a quarter of the dots you're looking at are actually stars, unquote. That's a little scary when you think about it. Uh, we're obviously aware that the world is changing. Things are evolving. Things will never be the same after technology moves us forward. But I can't imagine, uh, you know, when people built the, they built the car, uh, they thought that people would die if they went over 30 miles an hour. thought we'd explode. Uh, luckily, that's it's not the case, I don't think. And uh, we've moved forward with technology, but it changes things. I mean, COVID-19 wouldn't have happened if we didn't have jets, we didn't have airplanes, we didn't have trains. Uh, if we'd shut the subways down in New York City, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, the, the world is changing and we're dealing, we've been dealing with light pollution for a while. And uh, now we're going to be dealing with this, these artificial stars in the sky. Um, but, I mean, if you think about it, it's going to rob, potentially rob our children of being able to see the sky for what it is. I mean, for me, it's it's always been a thrill when I can spot a satellite from the ground. I love that. When you can see the little shininess in the sky and you can follow it till it disappears. Uh, but once these 12,000 plus satellites are in place, you're probably going to be even more amazed to see a Venus. Because that's going to be a, an oddity. And speaking of uh, the uh, Starlink satellites, folks in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, well, there are no strangers to UFO stories. Uh, last August, a number of videos went viral showing strange lights in the sky. The lights turned out to be, well, skydivers. Uh, but the area has had a rich history of UFOs, and a lot of UFO researchers have made a living 
uh, made a name for themselves down there in that area of the Midwest. Well, last week, several news outlets were out ahead of the news that a trail of Starlink satellites were headed over the area on March 25th from around 9 to 9.30 p.m. And I'll be honest, I uh, bookmarked that link and I wrote it down thinking that uh, some UFO stories were going to leak into the Internet. But I'm surprised and I'm happy. Congratulations, Cincinnati, for not overreacting to lights in the sky. Apparently, nobody filmed anything because it wasn't on social media. I didn't find any stories about it. Maybe there is something out there, but I didn't find anything. Uh, Despite a a little bit of low fog, uh, some low mist around the 9 o'clock time frame in the area. But uh, yeah. Nobody's reported the Starlink satellite, so good job. Good job, Cincinnati. Uh, They're probably all inside, though, so probably a good job there. Uh, So one additional piece of information to the ongoing saga of Starlink and other companies that intend to launch low-Earth orbit satellites to bring Internet to the masses deals with OneWeb. Uh, So OneWeb is a company that also jumped into the market of the constellation of satellites for the internet. Well, last Friday, and I can't believe I'm actually going to cheer for this, but OneWeb filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in a New York court. Uh, OneWeb has already launched 40 satellites, uh, but future plans are on hold and depend on a potential buyer for the company and what they might do moving forward. Uh, for now, that's one less constellation headed to our sky. So that's kind of a a plus for the people that want to keep our skies as natural as possible. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, Starlink is the uh, they're the leader. They want to put eleven thousand nine hundred and forty three satellites up there. Uh, you've got uh, Boeing, Boeing company. They make planes and stuff. Uh, They're putting uh, about 3,000 of their own satellites up there at about 745 miles above the Earth's surface, which would have been the same as OneWeb's, which is high, a little higher. Uh, Starlinks are a lot lower. They're in the 200-mile range. Uh, Other companies, including Amazon, Airbus, and almost a dozen other companies plan to put up over 20,000 satellites, 20,000 satellites satellites for internet constellations uh not including the 2000 for one web which still may ha- may happen who knows what's going to happen for the uh, future of that company um and to put that in perspective let's put that in perspective there's only been around 9000 satellites launched total since Sputnik 1 in 1957 and of the 5000 or so that remain in orbit only about 1,900 are actually functioning. Sometimes I wonder about that uh, XM satellite radio. That's still working sometimes. I get a little fuzzy signal every now and again. Um, but the skies are about to get crowded. 20,000 satellites, that's, that's a lot. Even though these are small, now they'll be at varying uh, elevations above Earth's surface. But it re- reminds me of the Kessler Syndrome. Never heard of that. Uh, it's kind of a spooky thing. Uh, 1978, the Kessler syndrome was coined, where it was uh, initially looked at as saying that uh, low Earth satellites will eventually 
uh, create enough debris over time that it's going to limit our ability to actually launch new satellites into orbit. So we're going to run ourselves out of technology. And it could take a long time for these satellites to uh, this debris to come back to Earth. And, you know, we talked about uh, they were coming up with different ways of knocking these pieces out and uh, l landing satellites and all these things. Now, some of the newer satellites, they're able to uh, destabilize their orbits and, and crash back to uh, into the atmosphere. But it's not the case for a lot of other debris that's up there. And, and some stuff that's launched up there is still stuck up there. And uh, the Kessler syndrome uh, kind of furthered its definition uh, years later after 1978 to include that not only it's going to hinder us to launch, be able to launch new satellites, but it could ultimately limit space travel and might make us stuck here on Earth, never being able to reach for the stars. And it's sure going to block us from being able to see them if we launch that many satellites up there. Yikes. Scary stuff to think about. Uh, let's see. One more story here in the UFO field. A UFO out of Wales, that's in the United Kingdom, has received a bit of attention last week. It's it's kind of one of those stories that I probably wouldn't normally talk about, uh, but it seems like it's it's received a lot of attention through the media lately. I mean, the United Kingdom, those British tabloids, they eat that stuff up. Uh, so it's gotten a little bit of attention. Uh, a former football player, so that to to you and me here in the United States, that's a soccer player, not football, not kicking field goals, uh, not running for touchdowns, um, but they call it football pretty much everywhere else uh, on the planet of Earth. Um, guy named Simon Church was outside looking at Venus when he spotted a light in the sky. He began filming it and then posted it to Twitter. Of course, what else would you do? Uh, he said the light was too high to be a drone, and then it just disappeared. Just disappeared. Uh, while many people were quick to comment that this was definitely a UFO, Church was looking for insight into what the light might have been. So, of course, he asked his followers there on Twitter. Uh, he also stated the following day, that after watching it a little bit more, he feels that it might have been the International Space Station. Uh, some of the commenters confirmed that the ISS was overhead during the time of his sighting, so it pretty much all but confirms his sighting, although there's a few other uh, factors as, as far as what direction it was moving and exactly what time, but, uh, you know, in which way he was facing all these things. But it seems like he it's pretty much cut and dry here, although they're still pretty much running with this headline about this being a UFO. Uh, so if you ever see a bright light moving in the sky in the evening after sunset, pretty much before midnight, or a few hours before sunrise, it might be a reflection from a satellite, or could be the International Space Station. And the reason why this happens, yeah, it could be dark outside. It might be 11 o'clock at night. It's pitch black outside. And you see this bright light in the sky. Well, that's actually, uh, these satellites, they hit a, you know, raise the sun up there. And if it hits it just right, reflects it back down to you, if you're lucky enough uh, to see that. It's um, sometimes called uh, an iridium flare. There's another name for it. I can't remember off the top of my head. But the, the one I use is iridium flare. So 
reflects the sunlight. So you don't see the sunlight in the sky because, again, there's nothing to reflect it on. So it looks, it looks dark out because the light just goes past. It doesn't go through the atmosphere until it reflects off of something and, and comes. It's a tremendous thing. If you've ever seen an iridium flare, uh, it's very beautiful, very bright sometimes. Uh, I've seen, I love spotting satellites, but uh, I'll tell you, the International Space Station, even better. If you ever get to see it, uh, no matter what time or, or what elevation it is. Uh, so NASA keeps track of all flyovers of the ISS, uh, pretty much all satellites too, but the ISS especially, since it's pretty much the brightest man-made object you're going to see in the sky uh, most times. Uh, you can even watch a live ISS tracking map online. And for that, you can head to spotthestation.nasa.gov. So that's spotthestation.nasa.gov. Or you can just Google it. Uh, I can tell you, I remember the first time that I saw a low-orbit flyover of the ISS. It was just after sunset. It was still light outside. And I thought that, that it was going to be too bright, too light, that I wouldn't be able to see anything and uh, went out and uh, see so it was a west to east flyover. And uh, again, the sun was still setting. It was still pretty bright out. Uh, but I remember seeing all of a sudden the light just come in. And uh, I swear it was like uh, it was as bright as uh, an airplane coming directly at you at about 30 miles out, which is pretty close. I was very bright. I mean, it was so bright. And I know this didn't really happen, but I swear I could he almost hear it moving overhead. That's that's how bright and big it seemed. I mean, it you could almost see the shape of this thing. That's how close it was. A very low orbit at the time. Uh, so if you're ever lucky enough, um, that's the conditions you want to see it in. Right after sunset, where it's not completely dark out yet, but you're still going to get that flare, and you can almost see the shape. It was probably one of the most beautiful things I've seen as far as astronomy is concerned. Uh, granted, it wasn't quite as emotional or impacting as the Great American Eclipse back in 2017. Um, where was I at? Franklin, Kentucky. Right at the freeway. At the... Uh, can't remember the hotel. In the hotel parking lot. It was uh, That was an emotional day. That was pretty exciting. But uh, seeing the ISS in, in certain conditions... Is pretty awe-inspiring, and if you're not sure what you're looking at, you, I mean, I already knew. I'd seen it. I read about it. I planned my night out around seeing this thing, and um, so I knew what it was when I saw it. Still kept me in a little bit of disbelief for a few seconds. I'm like, wow, there's no way. That's got to be a jet. It's so bright, so big. Uh, so if you've never seen it, uh, keep an eye out on this map, and, and hopefully you can get a, a low-Earth orbit. I don't know if they tell you the orbit uh, elevation or not, but you want to get the lowest you can get because that means it's going to be closer to you. Uh, anyway, a uh, last story of the night. Probably one of the most controversial stories I'll talk about all year long. And again, I don't really talk about uh, conspiracy theories. I try to avoid them personally. I, I don't. I don't. Just don't like them being part of the paranormal but i can't help it because that's that's what people think and people connect the uh conspiracy theories to the paranormal so they kind of almost go hand in hand here a little bit uh, but there's been a lot of speculation about covid19 and the sars 2 
or I should say SARS-CoV-2 virus that actually causes it, um, from where it began, how it began, how it was spread, why it was spread, uh, you know, did it come from eating bats? I mean, it's still possible. They don't know 100%. Um, but there was a viral video circulating earlier this year that was not from China, despite uh, numerous claims. It uh, wasn't even close to China. Uh, other speculation about this outbreak is that it was released by China and created in a lab for some odd reason. I don't know why they would do that. Uh, so was it a biological attack in the United States? That's what a lot of people think. A lot of popular opinion. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, it's not even real. This is just pandemic created by the government or the world or whatever. I, d I don't know. But uh, I guess it is kind of scary. It's something that's attacking us that we can't see. It's in our bodies. Uh, I guess if we could see it flying through the air, that would be kind of spooky and scary. But at least it would make a little bit more sense. Um, but speaking of making sense, I mean, think about this. You know, China releasing some sort of man-made virus into the environment makes perfect sense. I mean, certainly decimate your own country. You know, make it more believable, right? Have it spread all over Europe uh, just to get to the United States. Perfect, perfect scenario. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, just kill a lot of people for no, no real reason, right? Well, there's been a lot of research going on about this novel coronavirus, and a new study focused on what the potential origin could be. Uh, there's a lot of those uh, people trying to figure out where this came from and, and what caused it. Uh, uh, Dr. Robert Gary, a professor of the Tulane University School of Medicine and one of the authors of this particular study, told ABC News, quote, there's a lot of speculation and conspiracy theories that went to a pretty high level. So we felt it was important to get a team together to examine evidence of this new coronavirus to determine what could what could be about the origin, unquote. So what is the origin here? Where did it come from? What caused it? Uh, was it man-made? Was it created in a lab? It's actually pretty easy to see if you're, if you're a virologist. Um, the virus was found to not share any previously used virus backbone. So a backbone would be they basically would have to build a new virus on top of an existing one. And there would be pretty telltale signs, no matter how much it widespread through people, even to animals and back to people, you'd still see that this thing was built in. It's not that hard to see. Um, I don't know why they made such a big deal about this, but um, they could tell that it's not created in a lab and it's actually mutating naturally, which is a little scarier. Um, well, the researchers are also thinking that a less severe version of the illness has been circulating for quite a while, months, if not years, before December. With, um, you know, with uh, being in pretty much disclosed and, and named and stamped and given its little nickname back in December. But they think it's it might have been circulating for a while previously to that. So uh, a majority of people believe that COVID-19 began at a fish market in Wuhan, China. That's the, the popular thing here. That's what everyone talks about. Uh, but Gary points out that, quote, our analysis and others, too, point to an earlier origin than that. 
there were definitely cases there, but that wasn't the origin of the virus, unquote. And it's going to be, I would dare say, probably years until we really know a lot more about where this thing came from, about what it's, uh, what mutations have occurred to create it to what it's doing right now. And, uh, you know, the scary thing is the longer this thing surfs around, especially here in the United States, uh, the more chance it could of mutating again, changing, becoming uh, even more, more viral or more deadly. Um, we have no way of stopping this. That's the scary thing. You know, everyone's like months ago or, or even like a couple of weeks ago, we're saying how, well, you know, it's just like getting the flu. I mean, even if that were the case, even if COVID-19 was just like the flu, which it's not, this is a respiratory disease that uh, causes a lot of damage in your lungs, makes it very difficult to breathe, makes it very hard to uh, live if you get you get it just right or just wrong, no matter how you want to say it. Um, but the flu, we can stop. You know, when I hear people ranting and raving about that, I ask them, did you take your flu shot this year? And if they say no, just tell them shut up because you're not helping. Um, if people took the flu shot, yeah, it doesn't stop at 100%. But uh, it does slow the spread of the flu. And we can, you know, we'll never wipe out the flu. The flu is always going to exist. Pretty much, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's always going to be around. And unfortunately, so is COVID-19. Now that we've failed to contain it, we're attempting to mitigate it. Well, that's out the window too. No way we're going to mitigate this thing. This thing will be around probably for years. I don't see us being able to stop it. Even if we could, uh, there's a high chance we're going to see this again. And, um, you know, we're hopefully we're going to have a, a, a vaccination for this. And people aren't going to want to take it. No, I'm not putting that in my body. I'm not putting that in my body. It's going to have little nanobots in there that are going to track my, my whereabouts and steal money out of my bank account. I don't know what people just make up the weirdest stuff, but... That's not going to help things. You know, we don't have a way of stopping this. That's the difference between this and the flu. We, we don't know. We don't know what this is or what it's capable of doing. Uh, the flu, we kind of have a, a, a way around. We know how to, to mitigate that. We know how to take care of that. But this thing here, there's a lot we don't know. And it is dangerous. It is deadly. Yeah, it, it doesn't kill the amount of people that the flu does. But it also hasn't affected the amount of people that the flu does. And again, uh, this is more deadly, far more deadly. Uh, it's killed more people per, per percentage than the flu does. It's much higher. Um, and perfectly healthy people have died because, again, this is a respiratory thing. And I don't know, man. I, I don't want to... Not being able to breathe is not a fun thing. You know, I've had the wind knocked out of me. I've... I've uh, had water in my lungs from swimming, choked, almost drowned a couple of times. Uh, I still love the water, though. I'm crazy, I guess. But I tell you, it's a very painful, and y y there's no way around it. You, you, can't, you can't put a Band-Aid on that. You either breathe or you can't breathe. There's no way around it. Anyway, happy thoughts. 
for next week, and we'll see. Hopefully, we can see a little bit of a, a light at the end of the tunnel with this, and it's hopefully not a, a freight train coming at us. But uh, I want to thank everybody for showing up there in the chat room, especially Paul. Good to see you in the chat room again. And, uh, of course, everyone else. It's not because I only like one person in the chat room, but everybody in the chat room, of course, I thank you for being here. It really, it's, it's great to see people there in chat. Uh, it helps me um, keep doing this every week. And, and all the emails I receive about conferences or conventions or complaining about things I talk about or don't talk about on the show, it all means the same. That's all great. It, it all means great things to me, even if you're ranting and raving and yelling at me, calling me an imbecile. I, I still appreciate it. I really do. Um, but uh, for all the great comments out there, it keeps me going week in, week out. And again, before I forget, I remind you, tonight is the debut of the show, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch on the History Channel. Should be around 10 p.m. Again, check your local listings. And I will see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. Keep yourself uh, six foot from other people. Wash your hands for 20 seconds. And uh, above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.